Hey there, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to see you here on the other side of the camera. Yes, I'm Mariana. I'm here with KJ today. And thank you for clicking this button to enjoy this experience with us today. You set aside this time. Let's do this together. Yeah, our sermon series is all about experiencing joy. And yes. I think I am excited today for the second part in this joy series. It's the third. Third? Yeah. Holy smokes, this is the third one. I just yeah. think there's two, but it, it's awesome. all right. Okay, cool. <laughs> We're going on to the third part. And I just want to remind you real quick that for everything that is going on at the church, check out our app. And you know what? If you have any questions about our app, send us a message. I'd love to, to help you, can you out with the it. app. Just spend some time exploring oh, that yeah. thing. Yeah, e it's amazing. Either one is good. Okay. And after the teaching, we're going to be here talking with Alan and just discussing this whole topic and unpacking. So stick around for that conversation. It's time to begin. Enjoy. Hey, Christ community, it is so good to be with you. Thanks for letting me be a part of your spiritual journey. Uh, today, we are in week three of a seven-week journey teaching series in which we're focusing on the topic of joy, which is something that is so needed in our society right now. It is something needed in our own hearts today. I feel like there's this pervasive experience of stress, of worry, of weariness, you know, kind of like we're just plowing through life. So many people of all ages are feeling increasing levels of anxiety or discouragement or disconnection, even despair. I mean, COVID has just added fuel to the fire, the flame that was already burning. It, it really, it seems like in our society's pursuit of happiness, we are, we're having a difficult time finding joy genuine joy. So in the series, we're talking about this question, how can we experience a deep level, genuine joy that's not dependent upon our circumstances, a joy that supersedes our struggles and discouragements and emotional pain? Well, what we're discovering is that there's a powerful answer to that question in the integration of neuroscience and the Bible. So recent brain research has revealed that our brains are actually wired for joy. Joy is at the center of how our brains are designed by God to function. But here's what is so important for us to realize. This experience of joy is activated in a different way than we have typically thought about joy. So genuine joy is not, not found in the accumulation of things. It's not found in adventures or substances or the various forms of entertainment that our world urges us to embrace. Joy is relational. Genuine joy is found in the experience of being delighted in. It's found in the experience of someone being glad to see you. As we've been talking about in this series, this is wired into us from the moment of our birth. When an infant looks up, he or she is hoping to see a face that is glad to see them. That child is looking for joy. And, 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 and neuroscience tells us that at that moment, that child's brain is growing in its joy capacity. We come out of the womb looking for joy, looking to be delighted in, and we never stop looking for that. I, I believe this explains the pervasiveness of despair and hopelessness in the hearts of so many people, including so many young people they don't feel delighted in. 
They don't have this intuitive experience of being delighted in for who they are rather than for who they think they're supposed to be. And because of that, we're not experiencing this joy that our brains were created by God to experience, this joy that God longs for us to walk in. So if joy is the experience of being delighted in, how do we experience genuine joy in the midst of this broken world that we live in, where we often don't feel loved and valued, where we don't feel seen or delighted in, where where we experience very real pain and loss and discouragement. Well, this is where the Bible helps answer this question for us in a way that neuroscience isn't able to answer. We talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to unpack it in even more detail today because it is so foundational to everything else. So here's how I would summarize this critical foundational truth. Genuine joy is found when we experience God delighting in us. Genuine joy is found when we experience God delighting us. That's what fills our hearts with joy. It's when we experience the reality that God is glad to be with us, that his face lights up when he sees us. But do we experience God in that way? Honestly, a huge part of our struggle in experiencing joy is that this is often not how we perceive God. This is not our instinctive perception of what God is like. Often we instinctively envision God as being serious and somber and joyless, a God who tolerates us, but he isn't that happy to be with us. And man, if that's our intuitive experience of joy, excuse me, if that's our intuitive perception of God, we will struggle. We will struggle to experience joy. It's almost like we need a rewiring of our perception of God. So last week, we looked at a crucial scripture in this regard, talks about the Lord's face shining upon us. Well, today I want to take a couple of minutes to look at another passage of scripture that describes this heart of God towards us in even greater detail. And then I want us to spend our remaining time, the bulk of our time, really exploring some more practical ways we can grow in our experience of a God like this. So first of all, I want us to look together at an amazing verse in Zephaniah chapter 3. In this passage, this Old Testament prophet Zephaniah is, is looking ahead to the day when God's people can experience incredible joy. And that joy will be found, he says, that joy is going to be found in the fact that God will forgive their sins and God will save us. He will be with us. He will save us. So so this is clearly a prophetic description of what Jesus will do on the cross. He will save us from judgment and fear. He will be with us. Well, right at the end of this amazing description of the gospel, really, Zephaniah writes these words, which so powerfully speak to our experience of joy. Remember how neuroscience defined joy. Joy is the experience of being delighted in, where someone is glad to see you. So in light of that definition, look at how Zephaniah describes God's heart towards us. He says this, he, God, will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is God's heart for you and me. Zephaniah is not describing a casual, 
moderate experience of delight. Oh, God is pretty happy to see you most of the time. No, this literally says God is delighting greatly in you. He is exulting over you with huge amounts of joy. That last word that, that Zephaniah uses for joy, it's especially powerful because it literally means to spin, to spin. It's like God is twirling. He is dancing over us with joy. He is singing over us with delight. And there is also this tenderness in this passage where it says that God will quiet you with his love. In this passage, we see both the imagery of a dad who is dancing in the hospital room at the birth of his child and a mom who is quietly holding that child in her arms. And what is so fascinating is that neuroscience reveals that this is how a baby attaches to his or her parents. It's through their faces of delight and it's through the resting in their arms. We are wired by God to experience this love. And here in this passage, God says that this is how he loves us. This is how God feels about you. God wants you to know that he sees you. He delights in you as a parent over a child. He rejoices over you. He dances and sings over you. He holds you close. But is this how we ex perceive God to be? Is this our intuitive experience of him? And if not, how do we grow in our experience of God delighting in us in this way? Now, this is where neuroscience can again be very helpful because in the previous few weeks of this series, we talked about how our brains are created with two sides. And both of them are critically important. The left side is our reasoning side. It's, it's focused on truth, data, doctrine. The right side of our brain is our relational side. It's, it's in the right side of our brain that we experience joy, that we experience loving attachments, that we experience our identity. In other words, it's in the right side of our brain that we experience God as described in Zephaniah 3.17. So in other words, the left side of our brain can tell us who we are in terms of Bible verses and correct doctrine, but it's in the right side of our brain that we intuitively feel who we are. It's in the right side of our brain in which we experience this loving, delightful attachment to God, which means that we need to more fully engage the right side of our brain if we want to intuitively and instinctively live in the reality of God's utter delight in us so that we live in this joyful identity that God has for us. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we grow in this. Well, last week we introduced a simple practice that can help us grow. And this is, it's what we call a delight pause. It's where we stop at various times in the midst of our day and we take a minute or two to envision in our minds, God delighting in us. We envision his face being turned towards us and him smiling at us. So I hope you were able to practice this some um, this past week. Well, this idea of taking a delight pause is a practical first step in our growing and our experience of this. But our goal is so much more than that. Our goal is to be able to live in this reality more and more so that it becomes 
our instinctive identity, how we intuitively view ourselves. Okay, well, thankfully, God has given us a specific resource to help us experience this, this joyful identity. And this resource is described in one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's Romans chapter 8. And in Romans is a book, is a letter, actually, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Rome. And look at me at Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So in this passage, Paul is describing two very different ways of living. One way is to live in fear. The other way is to live in joy and this experience of being loved. And interestingly, neuroscience has confirmed this, that our brains run on either the fuel of joy or the fuel of fear. Now, the fear that Paul is referring to here is the fear of condemnation, the fear of rejection, of, of not measuring up to God's standard. When we live in this fear, we tend to see ourselves as employees of God rather than his beloved children. We measure our relationship with him based on our performance. And so deep down, we start to wonder, am I really acceptable to God? Am I performing well enough for him? Am I doing all that I need to do in order for God to accept me? And this is an exhausting way to live. Always trying to please God, but never feeling like we measure up. Always feeling like God is disappointed in us. And again, all of this is happening on the right side of our brain. It's something that we intuitively feel. Even if we know Bible verses that say something different, it's something that many of us intuitively feel. So rather than our brain being fueled by the joy of being delighted in, we are instead fueled by this fear, wondering if we're really good enough. Now, one of the insidious um, joy stealers, one of the insidious ways this manifests itself in our lives is through comparison. We compare our looks, our abilities, our personality, our income, our body, or whatever with, you know, with other people. And social media has made comparison like an Olympic sport. I mean, we, we go on social media hoping for connection. And yet what we see is everyone else's highlight reel. Their perfect family, their perfect vacation, their summer home, their latest achievement, their perfect body. And we instinctively compare ourselves to that. And, 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 and it cultivates in us this, this feeling of less than. I'm not enough. I'm not delighted in for who I am. I need to look like that or be like that person in order to be delighted in. I, I just read an article this past week describing how 32% of teenage girls said that being on Instagram made them feel worse about their bodies. One particular girl that was interviewed in this article, she struggled. She's now 18, but she struggled at the age of 13 with an eating disorder. And at that time, 13 years old, she would spend three hours a day looking at fitness influencers on her app. 
on that app. And she later said, when I went on Instagram, all I saw were images of chiseled bodies, perfect abs, and women doing 100 burpees in 10 minutes. It's no wonder that so many studies are showing that how most people who interact on social media feel more depressed afterwards. More depressed afterwards. Why is that? It's because we have this legitimate, God-given desire to be seen and valued for who we are. But all of that comparison makes us feel less than. And here's the ultimate impact. It robs us of the joy of being delighted in for who we are. This is not how God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live constantly under the fear-based cloud of comparison and performance. He wants us to live as beloved children who are delighted in by their heavenly father. And he has given us a specific resource to help us in this regard. Look at Romans chapter eight again here. Rather than living in this cloud of fear, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, when we place our trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. No longer do we have to live under the spirit of fear and comparison. We have received the Holy Spirit, who Paul says has brought about our adoption as God's children. The Holy Spirit in us wants us to experience what Zephaniah so powerfully described, our Heavenly Father dancing and singing with joy over us, our Heavenly Father delighting in us. So look at what the Holy Spirit is doing in us to help us experience this. Paul says, by him, the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. What Paul is saying here is that the Holy Spirit in us, he lives in us, but that Holy Spirit is stirring in us this experiential connection with God, this attachment to God in this intimate, loving relationship. This word Abba, it means daddy, it means Papa, it's a, a, the term a child would use when wanting to be picked up and held by her dad. And notice, this is all right brain stuff, all of it. This is something God wants us to feel in our heart and in our body. He wants us to experience this as a reality. See, God wants us to rest in the truth that we are delighted in by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is that, that, that his love is what defines us, not, not how many likes we get on Instagram or how or whether or not our body fits with the perfect definition or description of sexy or whatever else we tend to base our value on. Okay, so what is it that specifically can help us experience this Abba connection with God? Well, look again at verse 16. This, this is the key. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. To testify means to speak. What Paul is saying here is that the Spirit of God within you 
is continually whispering to your soul. I love you. I delight in you. You are seen. You are valued. You are mine. See, that's what the Spirit is continually saying to us. That's what the Spirit is continually whispering to our souls. The question is, are we listening? Are we giving room for our heart and mind to hear those words? I mean, the reality is we are all listening to someone tell us who we are. All of us. We're all listening to someone tell us who we are. Social media, television, our friends. We, we, are, we are all letting our identity be shaped by something or someone or by our past or our friends or whatever. And the question is, who are we going to let define our identity? What voices are you allowing to shape your identity? What God invites us into is a continual, lifelong, growing experience of letting him tell us who we are, of letting his spirit continually whisper to our spirit that we are his beloved. You see, this is the birthright of every believer in Jesus. The spirit of God is continually speaking this to your heart and mine. Again, the question is, are we listening? Are we letting him speak to the experiential part of us, the intuitive relational part of us? Friends, this is a crucial part of living in joy, of our experiencing the joy of being delighted in. It's found in us giving room for the Holy Spirit to speak his love into our hearts. Now, you may be thinking, I can't hear God. I can't hear his voice. <coughs> That's for other people. It's not for me. I can't hear God. That is a lie. That's a lie. You can hear him. You can. We just have to learn how to pay attention to his gentle whisper. See, for years, even as a pastor here, I, I thought I wasn't able to hear God's voice. But, but eventually I realized I was, the problem is I was expecting some dramatic audible voice when, when he was simply whispering. I was expecting him to be shouting, but he was just whispering. And so I just had to learn how to pay attention to his whisper. And once I began to do that, I began to hear his voice. And the same thing can be true for you. So one of the best ways that I found, um, that, I, that I found to pay attention to the Spirit's voice is by asking God questions, asking God a question. And there are a couple that I would suggest. For, here's one example. We can ask God, God, what do you like about me? What do you like about me? And then just listen. Pay attention to the thoughts or words or pictures that come to your mind. Do, do those things feel like something God would say? I love that question because it's, it's, um, Assuming what the Bible says is true. He does like you. But now we're asking him for more specifics. What, what do you like about me? It's just a, it's a very personal question, which makes it so powerful. So by asking God a question like that, we're, we're then, what we're doing is we're really anticipating he's going to answer. And, and in other words, we're tuning into his voice. We're being intentional about it. I got a text from a, a small group leader this past week who said that 
in his group last week, they had practiced this delight pause. And, and as their group, so as their group was envisioning Jesus being with them, they kind of closing their eyes, just envisioning Jesus or sensing Jesus being with them. The, the leader invited them to ask Jesus this question, God, what do you like about me? And one of the guys in the group who has struggled to believe God loves him, he got this huge smile on his face. And when the leader asked him about it later, he said, Jesus just told me that he really likes me, that he really likes me. See, the the spirit, capital S spirit, was testifying with his spirit that he is a beloved child of God. He just needed space to listen. Another question that I found helpful to ask is this, Jesus, is there something you want to say to me here? Is there something you want to say to me here? Is there something you want to say to me about this situation or about this negative emotion I'm feeling? Is there something you want to say to me about this person or about this struggle? You see, by by stopping to ask the Lord that question, we are giving room to the Holy Spirit to speak his love to our hearts. We, We are cultivating what someone has called an Emmanuel lifestyle. Emmanuel means God with us. So an Emmanuel lifestyle is where we are just walking with Jesus. We're inviting him into every part of our day, every part of our lives. A friend of mine told me about how he was on a hike with his wife last week, and they got to this spot with a beautiful view. And as they were looking at this, he was just enjoying it, and he turned to the Lord. He turned his heart to the Lord at that moment and he and he he just felt the Lord's delight to the point of him asking, you know, God, did you orchestrate this moment just for me? He felt delighted in by God. He felt delighted in in that moment. Are we stopping to listen to the Spirit testify with our spirit that we are God's children? in moments of beauty, in moments of struggle, in moments of pain, we can welcome the Spirit of God into that place and let him speak his love to our hearts. Just the other day, I was driving somewhere and had a lot of time by myself in the car, and I began to pray about something that had recently happened in my life. I had sent an email a few weeks ago to someone that I deeply respect. <clears throat> and I'd been a little vulnerable in a particular request that I had made in this email. So I waited for a response. A week went by, two weeks went by. Now it's been at least three weeks, still haven't heard back. And I began to feel ignored, to feel unseen. I felt rejected, honestly, by this person I respect. And it, it, it triggered this very vulnerable place in my heart. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, I'm going to process this with the Lord. And so I was thinking about this. I asked the Spirit of God to speak to me about why this person's lack of response triggered all of this stuff in me. It triggered all this negative emotion in me. Why, why being ignored by this person was such a deeply hurtful thing. So I asked him to help me understand that. And he brought to mind a memory from my past where someone important in my life, someone important to me, had ignored me and not really seen me. And so as I was with the Lord there in my car, processing this, driving along, I acknowledged 
I just acknowledge the hurt from this person in my past. It did, it hurt. I acknowledged that and then I chose to forgive them. And then I renounced the lie that I had been believing because of this experience. When we get hurt by people, a lot of times we subconsciously believe lies about ourselves. And that's what I had done. The Spirit showed me this. And the lie that I had been believing was this lie that I'm not valuable. I'm not worth being seen or listened to, right? And that lie had lodged itself in my heart. So all of this was pretty emotional. And I found myself kind of weeping at times as I was working through this, this pain. Well, after all of that, I'm still driving along. <laughs> but after all of that, I then asked the Lord this question. So God, what do you think of me? What do you think of me? Jesus, what do you want to say to me in this kind of vulnerable place? And then I just listened. I wasn't expecting to hear an audible voice. I was simply paying attention to the thoughts that came to my mind, the thoughts that felt like something God would say. And, and this is what I heard. I actually spoke it into my phone as I was hearing this so that I wouldn't forget it. This is what I heard. Alan, I see you. I am listening to you. I want to be with you. Your heart matters to me. I love you for being my son. I am so glad I created you. I am so glad you are mine. I celebrate you, Alan. You are a delight to me. Those words were exactly what my heart needed to hear. It was personal to me. And it reflected what scripture says is true. The Holy Spirit was testifying to my spirit that I am a beloved child of God. And he did so right where I was at, in the midst of my own struggle with rejection and insecurity. What Romans 8 tells us is that the Holy Spirit is eager to do that, to speak into our moments of beauty, of pain, of rejection, of discouragement. He wants to whisper to our spirit that we are delighted in by God no matter what happens to us. And by the way, there's a resource, a couple of resources on our resource list, a book called The Joyful, called Joyful Journey, um, Listening to Emmanuel. And then there's a website called Presence and Practice. And presenceofpractice.com is the, is the website location. And both of them just talk about one way to kind of grow in this experience of welcoming Jesus into um, these places in our hearts, kind of this journaling process. And so those are on the app. Um, they're the, the resources regarding this particular teaching series. Okay, so, so here, here's the question. What would happen? What would happen if we intentionally invited the Spirit of Jesus into those places? What if we listened to his voice and we let him speak to us about who we are in him? Well, I know what would happen. I know what would happen because I experienced it the other day in my car. Our level of joy would increase, not because life is any easier, but because we're experiencing God's delight in increasing ways. So friends, are you willing to let the Spirit of God testify 
with your spirit that you are a beloved child of God. Well, let's pray together. So I want to invite you into a, just a brief opportunity here. We're going to pr- we often do this. We're going to practice what we've just been talking about. So I want you to, if you're comfortable doing this, I want you to just take a deep breath. Just another deep breath. We're just quieting our hearts. So Father, we pray you're covering over our minds and our hearts and our bodies right now. So I want you to start, let's just start by, just that your eyes are closed, just envisioning Jesus standing in front of you. And it's okay if you don't see him, you can just sense his presence, just be aware of his presence with you. Okay, so now as you're envisioning his presence with you, maybe envisioning Jesus delighting in you, sort of the delight pause from last week. As you're doing that, I want you to ask the Lord a question and pay attention to the thoughts that come to your mind. And don't overanalyze them, just pay attention to the thoughts that immediately come to your mind. So here's, here's the question. I want you to ask him and then listen. Jesus, what do you like about me? So how was that experience? You know, I wish I could sit down uh, with each one of you over a cup of coffee and just talk through that um, because I'd love to hear what, what that experience was like. But by asking that kind of a question, we're trying to better tune into the Spirit's whisper. Now, if that experience was hard for you, that's, that's okay. Honestly, that is okay. This is a journey that we're on. We are learning to hear the Spirit's voice. I would encourage you, whether it was a great experience or tough experience or difficult, whatever, I'd encourage you to process this with your small group or with someone that you trust. Also, we have a ministry here called Hope Abounds that is specifically designed to help people pray through places where they feel stuck, you know, painful places or places where we feel triggered, like I did in the car, where I feel triggered or, or sort of stuck. So you can call the church office or you can go on our app under the more section in the care area. So Jesus, we want to live in the reality of our identity as your beloved children. Help us grow in that. I pray for each person watching this or listening to this, that you would help them grow in this. Help us better hear the voice of your spirit, reminding us of your delight in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. Let's do it. I um I like that last week you're talking about God's face shining on us. Mm-hmm. And then this week you're unpacking a little bit more how 
to experience it. And as I've been processing these messages and even talking to people, I'm realizing how much of a, th that's a very big issue in order for us to continue to move forward. And I'm glad that we're sitting in this for another week because how can I possibly experience joy and experience God if the way I see God, the way I interact with Him, if there is a if there is a hiccup there like how do you how do you see god will impact this this whole thing so and i realize we're different you kind of you explained and we talked about it uh, about it a little bit last week too the different ways we experience god but i'm just kind of curious to hear you know how do you listen to Jesus? How do you hang out with Him? Or maybe how did you used to see Him and something that shifted? I think that's, a, that's something I'm curious to talk more about. Yeah, I feel like there are two issues there. One is how do we see God? And that really is sort of the foundational issue I think we're trying to talk about last week and this week. Because, And I agree with you, that's right. foundational to everything else. Um, our perception of God um, has such a huge impact on who we are. Um, but then the second question you ask, I think they're separate, is how do we hear yep. the voice of Jesus, you know, in that process? Right. So, um, yeah, you want to jump into yeah, how do you just, perceive, or has that been a journey for uh, you? I think it has to be a journey, right? Like um, how, how and who God is, it typically is taught to us, and how it's taught could be totally inaccurate um, because God is God and there <laughs> should be a pursuit of saying, God, who are you and who am I to you? Mm -hmm. And right. it can't be the same for everybody. I, I mean, so if it's the same for everyone, it isn't personal. And so there's the active engagement of the heart of God and the character of God and uh, you find who he is in the Bible, the biblical texts of, you know, here's a father dancing around, you know, yeah. and uh -huh. then you have your, your personal God encounters that c come from the, the journey that you have. Right. And then the joy that comes from, here's who God is, you know, and being able to testify and, and talk about those, those things. I think it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. yeah. No, I, mean, I love I that. So. It's so, I was talking to a friend and he said something. I thought, this is, this is beautiful. He said, when I picture Jesus, you know, in these experiences that you have been leading us, he's never just standing staring at me and smiling i always picture him like throwing the ball and we're and we're playing catch and we're like having fun together at That's the beach awesome. i know and i was like this is amazing and this is a very joyful experience of something very um tangible and human experiential but how it plays out in such different ways and even the kinds of conversations and the kinds of words that you, he would tell you in that place or in that moment. That's awesome. I love how he makes it personal. Because honestly, if you, for some people, you know, if someone starts smiling at you and they keep smiling at you, it could make you really <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> so if that's what this person's experience, you know, is, 
I love how they have, that's the point. It's not that you have to envision Jesus smiling. What is it that connects with your heart? What the heart of God is for you in scripture. And so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. But then obviously turning the corner that you did this uh, in this message about how that impacts also how we see ourselves yeah. and our identity, identity. Yeah. once we understand who God is as a father. Um, it, I, can't, I can't not go back to just the, how simple but complex it is for us to navigate this journey of understanding. I think like, I agree with that. I think it begins to go from a head thing to a heart thing. Um, so like for instance, there's the very famous passage that says the joy of the Lord, the Lord is my strength. And then you have to ask, so, so what is the joy of the Lord? And you know, you take this this sermon. You take these ideas and concepts, and you could possibly say, "Me, <laughs> um, that I'm that like He sees me and takes joy in me, and that gives me strength." And and so it just goes beyond. I'm experiencing happiness and joy. It goes into the very being of who I am is the fact that God takes joy in me. Yeah. Or I I don't see myself as being a a project that God is like honing and shaping and you know it's like this painful like that mm. happens I know. But um, there's this idea of just who I am. He takes joy in me, and there's something in this that's like a big exhale, and it goes from the head down to the heart. It goes from the I have to try harder to pursue to a I can just sit here and he smiles. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, it is the, that's the journey that our, probably our entire lives are in. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help, I think, us help that go deeper and deeper into our hearts. Um, even Jesus, you know, at his baptism, the Father, before he'd done anything, the Father breaks in and as the Spirit is coming upon him, says, this is my son. It's like Jesus needed that at the beginning of his ministry, mm -hmm. but then to live and to cultivate that relationship to experience that. So then the night before he's crucified, he's praying to his father and um, that I may be in you and all of those things from John 17. So I love that idea of it being a, a journey of growing in our experience of being delighted in and that really he is, we are his joy and he is our joy that's pretty profound i love that so much that that the father broke in to in the mm -hmm. scene of jesus being baptized he's like wait you know the when he said breaking in is such a powerful imagery like wait i have to say something very important here and that declaration was what launched jesus and gosh and yeah, and it's interesting what he said at that was, listen to him. The last thing he said was, listen to him. That was for the rest of us. It's like, I'm telling Jesus his identity. Now you listen to Jesus and let him determine your identity. You know, Whoa. I mean, it's, it's pretty powerful that 
yeah, what influence are, what, what voice are we listening to to tell us who we really yeah. are? Yeah. Yes, so right. as far as like going forward and uh-huh. this whole sermon series front and back, how, how has this pursuit of joy and, um, and, and seeing the heart of God, how has that changed you, impacted you, caused you to be excited about something you haven't possibly been excited about? How is it from a, a heart perspective? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole, this whole concept of j- this definition of joy has really impacted just the way I think about my relationship with the Lord. It has caused me to really press into this place of being delighted in. I mean, I knew it before, but I think, can we really press it? You know, you're wanting to back in my, can I really press into this? It's it's nice, but there's always this, yeah, but. Yeah, God delights in you, but, you know, but what if it was just God delights in you? Mm. What if we really pressed into that and we really believed it? Mm. Um, what impact would that have on our obedience, on all these other things in our lives? And so th- I think that's becoming more and more like, this is true. What would be the impact if I lived in this more and more without wow. the yeah, but? But it was like, no, this is true. And so... I think for my own heart, it's, I love being able to study this and teach it and then interact about it. And in that process for me, it's, I feel like it's going deeper in the importance of it Yeah. Um, and my own, my own experience of it. So it's fun. Yeah. I think that term at the end, how you just summarize, it's fun. Um, <laughs> that's how I've been experiencing it. I've, I've been, I've been experiencing the same things, but to circle joy and hone in on joy in the same things, it's fun. And in fact, so I've been even like telling people like, so, 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 so after I get done talking with people or I hang up the phone, I say, have fun. I just started doing that because I'm, <laughs> I'm having fun and I want others to have fun. Have fun. I don't know. It's just a cool thing. It's mm. more fun, enjoyable, enjoyable. The joy, yeah. you know, like it yeah. is. Yeah. And I think being a part of the church and being sons and daughters of God should be fun. Yes. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. And I love too how you put it. It's, it's, it's how things should get started that's the you know because when we say the yes but that you talked about it's because we're thinking about all these other things like sure there are other things but don't start in the wrong place it starts in this place of being a child being a daughter and being a son and enjoying that father relationship which is so hard because Inevitably, we have so much baggage and family and all of that stuff with that, you know, earthly father and all of that. But just being able to break through and and being able to not know, but but feel and experience this connection. And I think it's a conversation we've had for years, the religion versus relationship. It's the relationship with the God who is alive and who is real and who speaks, who loves, who cares and... Yeah, I think I wonder if sometimes the struggle too is that we have the Bible and depending on what part you look at, right. it feels like that's not the God that that's not Zeph that doesn't feel like Zephaniah three. That feels 
you know? Uh-huh. And so I wonder if that's part of the challenge that we have, honestly. Um, and maybe just the, how you guys process that. But one of the thoughts that I've been thinking is, and interacting with others is that it's this idea, Jesus shows us what God is like and that we really look at the Old Testament through the lens of Christ mm. um, and rather than, oh, well, God's like this in Deuteronomy and he's like this in the book of Joshua and he's like this here and he's like this. and Like, no, there's, he looks like Jesus and we look at the Old Testament through that lens. And that's mm-hmm. where I think Zephaniah is such a, a significant passage because Zephaniah is preaching the gospel. He is pointing towards that moment when our sins are forgiven and something's going to happen in the future. Well, now we're on the other side of that. And so we can say, this is the heart of God for us. And we look at everything else through that lens. And if a passage doesn't really fit, then we have to say, okay, we're going to start with Jesus. We're going to start, you know, with that revelation of God. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I totally agree. In fact, I in the past have, have kind of often thought it would be hard to f- follow all the images you know, of God in the Old Testament, but I can follow yeah. Jesus. Um, because like the, the Old Testament paints, I mean, all of these, yeah. and they're all accurate and they're all true, but from a finite human perspective, I can't do it. Yeah. It's too complex and com- it's it's just too hard, and a huge, um, huge thing about God coming to Earth in human form is to paint this p- picture of Him that is a hundred percent and can be seen, experienced, engaged, t- talks to, invites, yeah. sit down, yes. eat. I mean, like, and yes. it's like, oh, thank you, because that I couldn't do. <laughs> yeah. That brings the, the ministry of the Spirit in, right. right? The Spirit of Jesus helps us experience God's heart. Right. Um, and that, that relational piece is so important. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's wonderful. All right. It's well, probably a perfect yes. point. Uh, you can just go, go and experience this, pray about it, open yeah. the Bible, play it again, um, experience the Joy in the upcoming times to come. Yeah. It is for you. And have fun. Have fun.